0: This podcast is a 3D audio production, so watch out as sounds may seem to come from beside you or behind you. For the best listening experience, please use headphones.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. Bumble.
2: Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Realm presents Orphan Black, the next chapter, season two, starring Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brun. Episode eight.
0: Don't do this, Dr. Cormier. You can't escape.
3: Delphine was forced to admit that Janice was right about that. Even bleeding from her rapidly bruising nose, courtesy of the blow Delphine had delivered with no small amount of satisfaction, the clone had no trouble overtaking her. Janice stood in her path now, still masquerading as Cosima, blocking her from getting any farther from the jet that waited to take her to Blyde's Island. It was entirely fair to say Delphine hadn't thought through her escape. But her desperation to get away, to try anything to defeat her kidnappers and protect her baby, had punched through her reason. Va te faire foutre? I don't
0: speak French, but that didn't sound very nice. This is wrong. Let me go. You know I can't do that. You have something we need, something every clone needs.
3: Delphine looked past Janice at the open aircraft hangar and decided she'd better keep her kidnapper talking.
0: What? What do I have? We may
3: never bear children
0: of our own, but you and your wife found a way to bring true genetic offspring of infertile clones into the world. We just want you to share it. I told you we would. My wife and I just wanted our baby to be born first. I would love to believe that, Doctor, but how can we trust you now? You lied to us about your vaccine, about who we are. You kept us from finding our community, ourselves. Those weren't lies. We withheld the truth, yes, because we believed it was the right thing to do at the time, but... Blythe has twisted what we did. We never... Blythe tells us the truth. She knows we're stronger together. You wanted
3: us weak and alone. It's too late. You're damn right. Janice spun around to find the source of the voice. There stood Sarah. Delphine had bought her the time she needed to close the distance to the hangar. Sarah was glowing with fury, eyes practically gleaming through the dark eyeliner surrounding them. Janice threw a punch that Sarah blocked easily, and Sarah responded in kind, her fist striking the kidnapper with another wet smack to the nose. Ah, uh, uh, shit! Then Delphine saw Kasima, the real Kasima, step out from behind Sarah, and threw herself into her wife's loving arms.
0: Oh, ma chérie. Oh, Delphine. How on earth did you find me? How did you know? When you vanished, Sarah had a hunch that it might be something to do with the private jet that took Fee to Blythe's Island. Sure enough, Sarah dug into it and, and found that the plane was back in Toronto. Like they were waiting for someone. I'm just,
3: I'm just glad we got here in time. Me too. But the kidnappers, there were two of them. Delphine looked back toward the plane just in time to see the faux clone driver staring at her from the hatch, obviously upset by the turn of events. She disappeared inside the plane seconds later. The hatch closed, and the jet began a rapid taxi down the runway. Damn it.
1: Are you okay? the baby?
3: We are both fine. (sighs) Excuse me just a moment. Casima turned and immediately lunged for her look-alike, knocking her to the ground.
0: What the shit did you think you were doing with my wife?
3: Janice threw her hands up to shield her injured face.
0: Uh, please, no, we weren't gonna hurt her, I swear.
3: Casima looked furious enough to throw a punch of her own until Sarah stepped in and pulled the two women apart.
0: Casima, that's enough. Let me handle this. You take care of
3: Delphine. Still seething, Kasima pulled herself away from her imposter and went back to Delphine, who took her wife's hands and hers as tears welled in both their eyes. Sarah grabbed Janice by the front of her shirt and hauled the injured Lita to her feet.
0: No, please. What, what are you going to do with me? I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're going to answer them.
3: Kira frowned at her phone. You really don't have to hashtag... Every word, Uncle Donnie. Donnie looked back at his own phone and the latest post he'd made to the official Allison Fan Club account.
2: But that's what our marketing coach told us to do. He said it helped with discoverability.
0: Okay, but now it just looks
2: like hashtag soup. And what the hell is an alley-oop? It's what we call ourselves. I mean, they. The alley-oop fan club.
0: (sighs) But why? You know what? Never mind. Obviously it's working or something, considering you have...
3: Holy hell. Is this for real? 58,000 followers?
2: Well, some of them might be bots. Some? I don't know. It's not like I'm checking. The important thing is, there are followers. At least some people out there recognize my ally for the brilliant, lovely woman that she is. And with everything else going on, finding ways to keep her spirits up seems like the least I can do.
3: Kira clicked her phone off and shoved it in her back pocket as she slid off the bar stool in the Hendrix's basement lounge and grabbed her backpack from the floor.
0: And it seemed your little project has been a success. Job done, right?
3: Donnie smiled at his phone. 58,000 followers in two days. A staggering number, really, and still growing. How had she ever doubted her worth? But at least the fan club seemed to be validating everything for her. Almost. Not quite. There had to be something more he could do to ensure Allie felt the love and recognition Dunny knew she was due. Because didn't she deserve to know it, too? Really and truly know it? He clicked the button to start a direct message to Allison from the fan club account. Not done yet. It's time to put the cherry on top. There was a long silence as he typed. Then Kira's shadow fell across him from behind the couch as she peered down at the tablet.
0: Dear Allison, I hope this doesn't come off as too forward, but as the president of the Alley Oop fan club, I wanted to let you know just how much we all appreciate you and the great work you do on clones at home. Whatever the future brings, you'll always be the same vibrant, positive, ravenously sexy... Uncle Donnie, what the hell do you think you're doing?
2: I'm just giving her one last boost. This way, it's not just coming from me, it's coming from all 58,000 alley-oops around the world.
3: He finished typing, signing off as Ed, and sent the message.
2: There. And sent.
0: You're flirting with your own
3: wife.
2: Well, yeah, I do it all the time.
3: But you're pretending to be someone else.
2: Sometimes I think it means more coming from a stranger, you know? Besides, it's not like she's gonna answer.
3: They both stared as an ominous set of ellipses appeared in the message bubble indicating that Allison was typing back. Oh, shit. A hush settled over them as the ellipses continued to flicker, stretching out into eternity. The screen began to dim. Then it lit up in full once more as a block of text appeared.
2: Oh, God, she answered me. What do I do?
3: Move, let me see.
2: Dear Ed, (laughs) she noticed my name, what a terribly sweet and thoughtful message, as unexpected as it was kind. I'm so flattered that you took the time out of what I'm sure is your busy day to write me. As a matter of fact, I have noticed your work with the Alley Oops. That's what they call themselves, right? And your careful moderation certainly has elevated it from a mere fan club to something truly validating and affirming for me, my family, and all of the clone sestras. You really know how to make a gal feel special. I imagine Mrs. Ed, is there a Mrs. Ed? Wait, what? Is quite the pampered lady, and if there isn't one, then all the more pity... You must be quite the catch-love, Allison. Well,
3: she wrote back, all right.
2: Wait, wait. Is my own wife flirting with Ed?
3: (sighs) Kira groaned, planting her face in her hands. Sarah made short work of the lock for the small office inside the otherwise empty Tethys hangar, and seated Janice in the corner behind its desk. There was a mini fridge near the door where Sarah found an ice pack and handed it to the other woman, who gently held it against her swollen, bloody nose. Sarah flipped the guest chair around before straddling it to stare the clone down.
0: So, it's Janice, right? This will go a lot easier if you tell me what I want to know. Easier for you, that is. I don't owe you anything. You tried to kidnap my sister's pregnant wife. And when you bollocks that up, your own friends abandoned you here. One way or another, you're gonna have to face the consequences of your actions. And once I turn you over to the police, you'll be facing jail, extradition, international criminal charges, and maybe a lot worse. Unless. Unless? Unless you answer my questions. Then maybe, maybe I'll tell the cops what I suspect is true. That you're really just a pawn in somebody else's scheme. It's up to you, Janice.
3: The other woman looked uncertain. Maybe Sarah was getting through to her. Let's start with a simple one. Felix Dawkins. You recognize that name?
0: He's one of Blythe's guests. Got caught sticking his nose where it didn't belong and he was placed under guard before I left the island. That's all I
3: know. Sarah fought not to let her relief show. Felix was safe, at least for the moment. Right, that wasn't so hard, was it? It would have been worth it,
0: you know. If we'd gotten Dr. Cormier on the plane, I think she would have understood eventually.
3: Understood what? Janice said nothing as tears slid down her cheeks. For a moment, the sight was so familiar, so damned relatable, that Sarah couldn't help the twist she felt in her stomach. What it was to be alone trying to make sense of their fucked up lives. But whatever Janice thought kidnapping Delphine would solve, she was horribly mistaken. Look, I don't know
0: what lies, what mad bullshit Lithe Winston has told you, but she's wrong, right? She isn't what you think she is. And Whatever reason she has for gathering up clones, you're the ones who are going to get hurt. So the sooner you tell us what's going on, the sooner... I can help put a stop to it. Blythe isn't crazy. She's the only one looking out for us. She's going to make sure that the rest of the world has no choice but to respect us.
3: Janice slammed the ice pack on the desk. Her nose was looking worse, maybe broken. It lent a frightening aspect to the fervor in her eyes. I think I'm starting to get it, Janice. you do anything to protect
0: yourself and everyone else in your situation. To not be considered a freak and Blythe gave you a chance to do that. Exactly. The world already thinks we're freaks. Even our own bodies don't work the way they're supposed to. And Dr. Cormier, her her pregnancy was the proof our sisters needed, that we aren't a genetic dead end. As one of Blythe's messengers, I wanted to bring that proof home. Blythe's messengers? Her chosen We're the ones she can entrust to get justice for all our kind. The ones who help spread her message of empowerment and exceptionalism. Look, Janice, believe it or not, I really do want to help you. I was a lot like you once. I know what it is to be at war with the world. To have to fight not just for control of your life, but to be considered human. To know that if you don't take matters into your own hands, the people you love could die. I get that. But how does taking a pregnant woman against her will make you any different from those you're fighting against? It, It's not the same. You sure about that? Well, tell me how, then. You're Blight's messenger, so start with me. Tell me about her.
3: And what she plans to do. And slowly, bit by bit, Janice did. Standing in Blythe's office was starting to feel more and more like being in a warlord's stronghold. Gone was the usual zen-like tranquility with which she projected authority over the rest of Haven. Here, she dominated with an edge to her voice and her movements. Blythe scowled when Natalie interrupted their meeting unannounced and marched straight to her boss the assistant angled her shoulders in a way that she probably thought would discourage vivi from eavesdropping <clears throat> i'm
0: sorry Blythe. i'm afraid the toronto mission didn't go as planned the team is returning empty-handed and janice was captured by the target's friends
3: vivi fought her instinct to lean in closer or let any reaction at all show on her face there was always a danger in reading too much into linkages but there was also something to be said for making those connections. Sometimes there really wasn't such a thing as a coincidence, especially when the news led Blythe to smash her fist into her desk and leave it there as her anger rippled palpable through the air. Then Blythe composed herself and turned back to her assistant.
0: Thank you, Natalie.
3: See what you can learn about what happened to Janice. Vivi waited until Natalie had left the office before speaking up.
0: Something I can help with? We needed proof. We needed to be able to offer hope to
3: our sisters. Blythe strode over to a wall of flat screens and called up what appeared to be a chart of some sort. And then a fuzzy black-and-white image, a prenatal sonogram. Vivi's feet carried her forward despite the dread building in her gut. Hope? Yes, that we aren't cursed. We aren't... doomed.
0: Our sisters were designed to be infertile. Yet another bombshell the Sestras withheld from us. Out of the nearly 300 of us created, only two have been able to conceive and carry children.
3: Blythe flicked through the documents on the screen. A clone with bleached, unruly hair appeared. Helena. Helena. She was baring her teeth at the camera in an awkward smile as she hugged her twin boys to her. Blythe swiped away Helena and called up Sarah, arms protective around her daughter, as she stared forward, defiant and challenging with dark eyes. Blythe jumped back to the sonogram and a complicated series of medical charts that Vivi had to squint to see the names on. Delphine Cormier, Kasima Niehaus, But someone has found a way around the infertility.
0: The two who vaccinated all of us in the first place and have kept the secret of
3: how they achieved their miracle to themselves. More proof that they can't be trusted. Vivi tilted her head to the side as she tried to make sense of the charts before her and felt the muscles in her gut tighten. Felix had told her Blythe had been very interested in Delphine's pregnancy. Now, she knew why. Blythe. What does this have to do with um, sending
0: a team to Toronto? We were going to bring Delphine to Haven, of course. Help her to see the error of her ways. Give her the opportunity to begin making amends by sharing a miracle that rightly belongs to all of us.
3: Blythe picked up a folder resting on her desk and handed it to Vivi. (sighs) We'll circle back to Dr. Cormier in due course.
0: I have a different task for you right now. I want you to begin planning the messenger missions. That's the dossier of the first target. I want the
3: mission ready to go in a week. Vivi didn't open the folder. That... isn't much time. Blythe smiled at her.
4: I have faith in you, Vivi.
1: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
2: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Cosima couldn't keep her hands off her wife, not even in, like, a crude way, though she couldn't deny that pregnancy had enhanced Delphine's physique with a certain glow, a softness an irresistible squish and strength and radiant power that set a fire low in Kasima's belly. But now, it was something more possessive, protective, fierce, that had her rubbing Delphine's back and tangling her fingers in wavy gold hair and kissing her temple and forehead and the crown of her head every chance she had. No, right now, Kasima wanted to defend. She wanted to guard her wife jealously, and tear down anyone who dared to threaten her. Delphine nestled back against her in the big, cozy chair they'd claimed while they waited for everyone else to arrive. I'm quite all right, you know. And I promise I won't find into to smoke. Kasima kissed the top of her head as she squeezed Delphine's thigh. I'm not taking any chances. The front door opened, and Allison rushed into their great room banging against her hip. She dropped down in front of the chair and reached for Delphine's hand. Sarah followed her in, with Kira and Donnie close behind.
0: Delphine, oh my god. I still can't believe the gall of that, that nasty little witch. Trying to kidnap you? Clearly she has no idea who she's messing with. No, but she's about to find out. Damn right she is. So is the rest of the world. Oh, God. What are we getting tangled up in now? Miss Blythe Winston, all on her high horse about transparency and honesty, is far from who she claims she is. And I've got proof. Once word of this gets out, then we can take her down.
3: All heads swiveled to the front door, where Charlotte stood. But it wasn't Charlotte who'd spoken. It was the woman behind her.
0: Oh, no. Oh, hell no. We are not doing this. I'm sorry, Rachel. Are you under the impression that you're welcome here? "'I invited her. It was one thing to attack us with ideas, but Uncle Felix and Helena and Vivi are already all in danger, and now Blythe has tried to take Anne Delphine by force. We need all the help we can get.'
3: Rachel offered them a thin smile, as razor-sharp as her bob. "'This is my fight, too.' Cosima bit her lower lip, the events of the past few months surging up in her mind. Working with Rachel had been exhausting under the best of circumstances— But she couldn't deny that, when Rachel was actually on her side, as she'd been on Mira's show, she appreciated her ruthlessness. Certainly better to have her as a friend than an enemy. Fine. You're in. What? Cosima slumped forward, arms tightening around her wife.
0: (sighs) Blythe tried to have you kidnapped, okay? Like, who knows what else she's capable of. If we're going to fight back, I'd rather do it with someone on our side, well-versed in this kind of cutthroat behavior. You're assuming Rachel really is on our side. Tell me, how many of you have overseen a major clandestine research project while managing mergers and acquisitions and supply chain logistics and tax law, all while keeping it under the radar? No one? Well, I know exactly what kind of game Blythe is playing. If you don't think that's worth something, then your little plan is doomed from the start. Right, whatever. But you're with us on just this one thing and that's it. No backstabbing, no pushing your own agenda, and we aren't friends.
3: Rachel held up two manicured hands in submission.
0: Perfectly fine with me. See? Told you it'd be okay.
3: Charlotte came fully into the room now and perched on the couch next to Allison, then patted her other side for Rachel to join her. Rachel folded herself onto the couch, Kasima's couch, with her limbs facing inward, like she was trying to make herself as small as possible. Rachel flashed Kasima the barest of smiles as she tucked her hair behind her ear. Kasima gave her a slight nod, but didn't smile back. Just because she supported involving her didn't mean she had to play particularly nice. That was going to take a lot more work on Rachel's part— even if she was taking on a bigger role in Charlotte's life.
0: Right, let's get on with this. I've spent the last few days trying to uncover as much about Blythe as I can, and what i found is a pattern of lies and deceit that goes back at least five years. So for starters, she in the paragon of self-help and better living that she claims to be, not by a long shot. That whole self-made rags-to-riches image she's peddling? Absolute tosh. Blythe's company was built on trust fund money
3: from a hefty inheritance. Allison produced a tray of brownies she'd apparently brought with her and began passing it around the room.
4: But Sarah, don't lots of moguls
0: do that? Downplay their family wealth to boost their own reputations as geniuses?
3: Yeah, ma'am. Sounds pretty thin so far.
0: Yeah, I agree. But it got me wondering what else she's been lying about, right? So I started looking for people who knew Blythe her whole life. I found an aunt who said Blythe went through this total character shift five years ago. She'd always been fairly attentive to her family, and suddenly she started distancing herself, and she fell out of all these lifelong habits, obsessing about herself and her image. She was trying to take her company somewhere bigger, but in doing so, she became this narcissistic liar. I also found a former staffer at Tethys who claims that Blythe knew she was a clone years before the news broke. Hang on, so her whole complaint about me and Delphine deceiving the leaders is bullshit? Total bullshit. This ex-staffer described how two other women who looked exactly like Blythe started working for her around the same time. The cover story was they were just lookalikes from some marketing campaign that never got off the ground. But Blythe knew they were out there. She made an effort to find them. Where are these two clones now? That's where it gets stickier. So one of them, Natalie Taylor, is still on staff at Tethys, though she seems to have dropped off the grid like so many other clones lately. That might mean she's on that island. The other, Kara Devon, died five years ago under what I consider suspicious circumstances.
4: And all these things happened around
0: the same time. It looks that way, yeah. But here's the scary part. I questioned Delphine's kidnapper, Janice, before turning her into the cops. And the way she talks about Blythe and her island, I'm convinced we're dealing with some serious cult-level shit. She's isolating her followers from the rest of the world and brainwashing them into believing that clones have this special destiny. One that increasingly involves violent retaliation against anyone she considers a threat to individual clones or to her community. We're talking about clones getting ready to carry out fucking murders.
2: So she's nuts?
0: Pretty much. She's exploiting the very people she claims to be trying to help, preying on their traumas and fears, weaponizing them. Once the world knows that, it still won't be enough. Excuse me? Hang on, Sarah. Let's... Hear her out. Thank you. Please don't misunderstand me, Sarah. The information you've uncovered is invaluable. It confirms much of what I already suspected about Blythe, and it raises a number of compelling questions I would like to try to answer. With everything you've found, we might eventually prove to enough people that this is more than just a grudge against the woman who humiliated us on TV. And in time, we could turn public opinion against her. But time isn't a luxury we have. Get to the bloody point, Rachel. You said it yourself. Blythe has created a cult urging her followers toward violent criminality. She's already attempted a kidnapping. How long before she sends a clone to kill someone? And once that starts, how do you think the governments of the world will react? Clone assassins and with no easy way to tell us apart, we'll be rounded up, detained indefinitely in the interests of public safety and security.
3: And that will just be the beginning. Cosima shuddered, and she felt Delphine's hand tighten over hers. From the silence that fell over the room, everyone had heard clearly what Rachel left unsaid, what was likely to follow from her prediction. Segregation. Dehumanization. Maybe even experimentation. Blythe was about to unleash a fucking firestorm.
0: What, so you're saying it's hopeless? I'm saying we have to hit Blythe so hard and so fast she can't squirm out of it. This Janice you interrogated, that gives us a good place to start. Mom, what about Uncle Felix and Aunt Helena? Janice seemed to think Fi is safe, for now at least. She didn't know anything about Helena, but I think we can trust her to take care of herself and him.
3: While Kira and Sarah spoke, something passed between Charlotte and Rachel that set Kasima's curiosity tingling. It was Charlotte who spoke up.
0: Janice, that's it. That's how we stop her. We don't aim for Blythe. We target her followers.
3: Helena strolled openly through the Haven compound. One more clone among many. She'd donned yoga pants she'd found in a supply shed and tied her hair back to better blend in. She'd wanted to finish her recon before she broke Felix out to be sure she knew the safest way back to the beach. But then she spotted Blythe herself walking down a sandy path toward an extravagant mansion escorted by two clones. Both of them wore baseball caps with the Tethys logo, Only one had that unmistakable mane of red hair. Vivi. Helena watched as the trio stopped at a fork in the path. Blythe spoke to her escorts and embraced each of them before she continued on to the big house, while Vivi and her companion took the other path. Silly Vivi. Working with their enemy was a bad move on her part. But if she really was so cozy with Blythe, then surely that meant she had knowledge of the island and perhaps easy access to Felix. Not that Helena much-minded causing a scene, but there were some benefits to doing things the quiet way, at least to begin with. Helena glanced back toward the compound. Don't worry, Brother Sestra. I free you soon. Her gaze turned back to Vivi. It wasn't easy to conceal weapons in yoga pants, So Helena had been forced to leave her bowie knife behind, buried in the sand along with her clothes, her sat phone, and the rest of her gear. That was okay, Helena decided. She preferred bare hands for what she was about to do.
1: You're listening to Orphan Black, the next chapter, starring Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brun. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Orphan Black, The Next Chapter, Season 2, is executive produced by Tatiana Maslany and stars Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gaviris, Evelyn Brochu, and Christian Brune. Based on the television series Orphan Black, produced by Boat Rocker Studios. Written by Melka Older, Madeline Ashby, Helly Kennedy, E.C. Myers, and Lindsay Smith. And produced by Marco Palmieri and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Otto and Diana Foe. An executive produced by Molly Barton, AMC Networks and David Fordier, Ivan Schneeberg and Jessica Shadlock of Boat Rocker. Performed by Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Gavaris, Evelyn Brochu, Christian Brune, Alyssa Zia, Vikas Adam, Taya Garland, Hudson Mako, Stephanie Shea, Daniel Bonjour, Stephanie Frame, Tiana Camacho, Kimberly Marable and Nathaniel Kweku. Directed and produced by Kaylin West. Sound design by Rory O'Shea. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Musical theme performed by Two Fingers and composed by Amin Tobin. Music composed by Trevor Yule.